The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Dynamic Pet Pet Duo. This week on the Pet Buzz, we're talking about Easter dangers. Did you know that dogs had a role in the first Passover? Find out more. April is Earth Month. We're talking about greening your pet. Should you gift a bunny during the holiday? Our expert is here to discuss. Good morning. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You are listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio, where we want to help you take better care of your pets. So we welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. Now let's kick off the show with some celebrity pet news. I'm just going to say one word, and that's captured. Oh, yeah. After seven years of being held up in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, last week, Julian Assange was arrested and dragged out. You're probably thinking to yourself, why am I talking about Julian Assange on a pet show? But fans of the WikiLeaks founder have inquired about the whereabouts of his cat. Mm-hmm. Assange got the cat in 2016 while he was held up in the Ecuadorian embassy. The cat became an internet sensation posing with Assange in photos on Twitter and Instagram under the handle of Embassy Cat. There are wonderful pictures of the cat wearing a bow tie, hanging out in the embassy windows. Well, anyway, his Twitter account hasn't been active since 2018, while the Instagram account hasn't been active since 2017. Well, this is really interesting, but in 2018, a judge told Assange, because he, Assange and the Ecuadorian embassy had a few little problems, believe it or not, a judge told Assange that he had to abide by new rules imposed by the embassy. Now, he's living in the embassy, right? And he's having a problem with his landlord. <laughs> I, you know, well, anyway, so the judge told him He was warned that if he did not take care of his pet, it would be given to someone else or handed into an animal refuge. So at this point, they're kind of making his life a little difficult. Mm -hmm. So about a month later, an Italian newspaper reported, that's La Repubblica, that Assange supposedly freed the cat to spare an isolation which had become unbearable and allow it to have a healthier life. His quarters in the embassy were really, really small. Um, so the cat was great company, but he was afraid that something was going to happen to the cat. So recent reports reveal that the cat is living with one of his friends and not Pamela Anderson, who is a very close friend of his. Okay. So let's move forward with our global news block. And now Pet Buzz News from around the globe. Now, this is an interesting story. A dog was rescued by workers of an oil rig. She was spotted paddling in the Gulf of Thailand about 130 miles from the shore. Incredible. On Friday. Okay. Incredible. This past Friday. Mm-hmm. So the pooch was believed to have fallen into the sea from mm-hmm. a fishing boat. Mm-hmm. And this shivering animal 
managed to cling to a pole on an oil rig platform <laughs> and she could barely be seen as workers on another oil rig devised a plan to rescue her because the waves were so high they thought and the wind was so fierce they thought that she would be whisked away and fall back into the ocean so they pulled her in with a rope by around so they lassoed her and then pulled her in with the rope once safe she spent a weekend on board the drilling platform receiving food and water with the crew before she was brought back to land this past monday and delivered into the care of an animal charity in thailand called watchdog thailand she now has a new name what it's called boon rod, which in Thai means making a spiritual donation for good luck in the future. What a warm story. I know. And one of the guys on the oil rig wants to adopt her. Makes sense to me. Very, very pretty brown dog. We're going to post a picture so you can see her on your social media channels. Okay. Fat cats. Fat cats. Fat cat. Who's the fattest cat in New York City? His name is Barsic. Barsic. Uh-huh. A five-year-old 41-pound cat who was turned into the animal care and control shelter with his slimmer 13-pound sibling, Suki. You know, and I'll tell you this, this little tidbit for you. Barsik is a Russian name and very typical of pets in Russian named Barsik. wonder if they're all bigger there. Anyway, (laughs) both were left as their owners were moving and could not take them along. You always say bigger is better. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so the ACC placed the overnight feline. Overweight in, feline. Uh-huh. With Angelical Cats Rescue. That's a group in Manhattan mm-hmm. where one of the volunteers decided she was up for the challenge to foster him and help him shed some of the pounds. I mean, but you think about it. He's like 30 pounds overweight on That's, a good day. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. compared to our cat, Hayden, oh, yeah. who's seven. Okay. Oh, incredibly big. Okay. So believe it or not, he is... A picky eater. A picky eater. A 41-count pound, a picky eater. And he's already lost two pounds and gained about 6,500 followers. On Instagram, can you believe it? His veterinarian suspects the Barsic's mammosize is the work of maybe the endocrine or congenital disease. Okay. You can follow his weight loss journey on his Instagram account at Big Barsic. That makes Big sense. Barsic. Big Barsic. Once healthier, Barsic and Suki will adopt, be adopted together. You know what I think is going to be good about this? If you have a fat cat, maybe you can get some ideas. Yeah. I mean, if you, exactly. you know, we want you to go to your vet, obviously, and get your vet to help you lose weight. But you might be able to get inspiration so your cat can lose a few pounds. You know, it's so interesting. You know, all the big cats I see, I try to give them inspiration in the next year or six months later. They're still big. Still big, Still but not big. as big as Big Barsic. No, 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 no. My biggest cats are only half the size of Barsic. <laughs> okay. Okay. So now Eric Briggs, he's 45, of Maslin, Ohio, mm-hmm. great football center, pleaded guilty to cruelty to animals and was scheduled to be sentenced in New Philadelphia Municipal Court, but he didn't show up for court. Mm. Okay. So court officials just issued a warrant for his arrest. You may be wondering what he did. Well, Briggs dumped his golden retriever and pot-bellied pig outside a local animal shelter, which was closed at the time on March 13th. Surveillance video showed the man tied the dog to a pole, then turned to his car for the cage containing the pig. Now, I saw that. 
So I put this story in our in our script because I thought it was important, and I'm going to put the video up. He drove in the middle of the yeah. night and just dropped off the golden retriever. I mean, he, the dog is older, but just dropped it off, tied it to a pole, and then went back in the back of the car. And it wasn't a big car, and it was faded. And they asked, you know, does anyone recognize this man? He had a hat on, dark clothes. This is really not totally unusual because almost anybody that's worked with humane societies before. They've seen this kind of They've come in in the morning and they've always got these pets either in cages or tied up, uh, tethered to, mm-hmm. to the doorknob. Uh, it's something that's very common and a very bad practice. Mm-hmm. So there, though, a passing county sheriff's deputy found the animals several hours later and stayed with them. What a good guy. Mm-hmm. Until a humane officer arrived. A farm with many other dogs and pigs adopted the pair together. That's great. That's really great. Uh We constantly remind folks, don't dump your pets. Look for proper channels to have them cared for. Mm -hmm. Don't leave them at the airport tied to a truck like Frank Shamrock did to his his elderly mother's dog. Or leave an elderly and sick dog at Walmart like Rita Swartz. Like we call these people's names out because we want you to look up their stories and see what they did. These horrible things that old pug was blind and had ear infections and rotting teeth. And she was left in a Walmart in the beginning of the year. Our prejudice is only to give the best health and care for the pets. And there's, you have time and there are so many groups out there that can really help you. Okay. And lastly, because it's Easter weekend, we want you to tune into the Beverly Hills dog show presented by Perina April 21st, see canine stars strut their stuff on the red carpet and complete for the best in show. Plus, don't miss some of your favorite canine and human celebrities like last year's winner, King. You remember King. He's handled by my friend Gabriel Wrangle, and he just won uh, Westminster Kennel Club dog show. And Sean White, you know, the Olympian will be there. And we can't forget to give our friends John O'Hurley and David Fry a big shout out. Good friends. Yes. Good luck, boys. So we're going to take a commercial break on that note. Be back with our first guest, Tina Wismer, talking Eastern dangers. She's answering your questions. So stay tuned. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, visit www.epi-pet.com. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. This show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We enjoy being with you each week talking pets. Well, I don't know if you knew this, Dr. Fleck, but did you know that Easter is the second best-selling candy holiday in America after Halloween? No, I didn't know that. Well, among the most popular sweet treats associated with the day are chocolate and chocolate eggs. Mm. Unfortunately, as much (laughs) as we love the Easter basket full of candy. (laughs) Chocolate is not so good for our dogs and cats. And here to discuss chocolate and other Easter dangers is veterinarian Dr. Tina Wismer, the medical director of the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center. Good morning, Dr. Wismer. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. 
Well, can you tell us how many calls the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center receives during Easter week? Oh, Easter week is one of our busiest weeks, and we average about seventeen to 1,800 phone calls a day. Oh, my gosh. That's un- unbelievable. Wait, just repeat those numbers one more time. I'm like, it just kind of like smacked me in the face <laughs> in one ear and out the other. So how many is it again? Yeah, seventeen to 1,800 phone calls a day oh. over Easter. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Huh. Unbelievable. Well, you know, Dr. Wismer, we told you our listening audience was going to present you with some questions. So we've been receiving numerous questions, both really by email, Twitter, and Facebook. So our first question comes from Jeannie from Long Island. She wrote via email that she had always heard that chocolate and other candies is dangerous for our pets, but she'd like to know what specific ingredients makes it dangerous. Sure. Chocolate contains compounds called methylxanthines. And methylxanthines include compounds like caffeine and theobromine. And these actually are stimulants. So they're going to cause high heart rate, agitation, also things like vomiting, diarrhea, high blood pressure. Unfortunately, dogs are pretty sensitive to these compounds compared to people. Hmm. Now, what about candy? So candy is interesting. Um, You know, I love candy. And (laughs) if you get enough of sugar or sugary substances, um, we certainly can see vomiting and diarrhea. It actually pulls water into the digestive tract. So watery diarrhea is not uncommon if they eat a lot of candy. And also, you know, a lot of mothers today like sugar-free candy, so we also have to be worried about that xylitol, correct? Good point. Xylitol, artificial uh, sweetener, very safe for people, but in dogs, it actually can cause their blood sugar to um, decrease. It actually causes the pancreas to excrete insulin, and it can cause liver problems. So no xylitol for your dog. So basically no chocolate, no candy. Stay away from it. Keep the pets away from those Easter baskets. Eat it all yourself. Well, you can. You love those jelly beans. Okay. So from Twitter, Mary from Cleveland, Ohio, wants to know, why is it better to line your Easter basket with paper instead of synthetic grass? Great. Not only is paper better for the environment, uh, but plastic Easter grass is actually very dangerous if ingested. Cats seem to be very attracted to it. And once it's in their digestive tract, it acts almost like almost like a little saw, and it can actually perforate the intestinal tract Wow! or cause an obstruction. And that would be really expensive. So now I get to go to the West Coast, and Matthew from San Francisco posted on our Facebook feed, with the coming of spring, I love to fill our home and garden with plants, especially with Easter lilies. That makes our home smell so fresh and sweet. But are they dangerous to our cats? Yes. Easter lilies and other members of the true lily family can unfortunately cause kidney failure in cats. They're safe for dogs, but cats are very sensitive, and even small amounts of pollen can cause kidney failure. So if you have cats, please no lilies in the house. 
And also, if you're listening, before you gift someone like your mother or your sister or anyone you're going to spend Easter with, make sure, if you think they have a cat, call before you buy those great Easter lilies that are all in the supermarkets and the garden stores right now. Isn't that a great suggestion, Dr. Wismer? Perfect. <laughs> well, if you're just tuning in, we are talking with Dr. Wismer from the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center. She is joining us and answering your questions about Easter dangers for pets. Okay, so let's move forward. So I love this. Martin from Brooklyn tweets, my dog loves eggs. Well, who doesn't love the eggs? <laughs> so we have a family <laughs> Easter egg hunt every year in our large backyard. Should we worry about our dogs eating the eggs that we hide? No. If they're finding them the same day you hide them, it's probably not an issue. But if they're finding them at a later point in time, uh, you know, food poisoning isn't pretty, whether it's a person or a dog. Hmm. Count them and then account for them. That's a, I think that's a great idea. I would also worry, should you have to be worried about that colored shell? So most of these dyes are going to be food safe. Okay. Um, so the dyes themselves won't be a problem. Well, Doctor, our last listener is Catherine from Pittsburgh, PA. She writes that the whole family gets together for Easter dinner like they should. She ends up having so much ham mm-mm, after dinner. Another one of your favorites, mm-hmm. Dr. Fleck. I'm getting, I'm <laughs> starting to salivate here. She wants to know if she can give some of it to her dogs as a treat. So ham can be problematic in some pets. Um, you know, it is definitely higher in fat and salt than most of their food. So small amounts could be okay, but if you've got a pet with a sensitive stomach, please, no ham. Yay, not for the dog, just for me. More for you, yes, Dr. Fleck. I'm More excited for, you know, about I this. I think what I'm going to do is make a ham, Yeah. right, and then you can have ham and eggs. Okay, from the eggs in the backyard that we made no, sure no, we No, 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 I'll make no, you fresh no. eggs. Okay, fresh gotcha. eggs. Okay. okay, Dr. Wismer, before you go, can you tell the listeners, if they need to call the animal poison control number, what are the fees and particulars that they need to be aware of? Sure. We do have a $65 consultation fee, and that covers as many phone calls as we need to complete the case. So whether it's just you needing to call or whether you need to see your veterinarian and they need to speak to us too, that one fee covers all the calls from beginning to end. And the nice thing is you'll get a live person, correct, to help you? Oh, yes. We definitely were here. Uh, we have approximately 50 support staff and right now about uh, 26 veterinarians to help you. Wow, 26 veterinarians. I'm sure they're busy all day with those 1,800 phone Eight calls. Unbelievable. That many calls. <laughs> it's, um, it is. Holy it really smoke. is. Unbelievable. Well, Dr. Wisner, thank you for so much for being with us today. We're always happy to have you back with us. But we can't forget, tell us about the website. Sure. The website is ASPCA. Simple enough, ASPCA.org. Well, everyone, that was veterinarian Tina Wismer, the medical director of the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center, discussing Easter dangers. We just love having her, but I've got a special treat for you. So up next, we've got Rabbi Mindy, one of my favorite rabbis in town, and he's going to talk about the role of dogs in the initial Passover. Stay tuned. This is a segment you will not want to miss. 
You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. So welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. And joining us today is Rabbi Menachem Bouquet. Rabbi Mindy, who is known as, served as youth director of Chabad of Sarasota for a year before moving to Lakewood Ranch. He's a graduate of the Central Lubavitch Yeshiva in New York, where he also received his rabbinical ordination. The rabbi and his wife, Hani were involved in a community outreach in Australia and South America before coming to Bradenton, Florida. He founded Chabad of Bradenton Lakewood Ranch in 2004. We want to give him a very big welcome. Good morning, Rabbi Mendy. How are you today? Good, good. Thank you, Todd. We are so glad you're with us today. So, you know, Rabbi Mendy... Can you briefly tell us the story of role of the role of dogs in the initial Passover? So the story, as most people know, Passover, the Jews finally, after 210 years of slavery, are allowed to go out of Egypt, and they are free. And in the, um, in the Torah, there's a very, very interesting passage where the Torah talks about the concept that when the Jewish people left Egypt, the dogs did not bark in a very loud manner. They barked normally, but not in a, in a uh, very high-pitched type of bark, especially when there's a lot of commotion and fear and, uh, you know, when you have so many people leaving that naturally the dogs would have been very, very agitated. And plus there was also a full moon that night, uh, being the 15th of the uh, month. So... And the miracle was, it says, that the dogs were silent and did not bark at the Jewish people. Wow. I mean, who would think a lot of people who listen to our show and a lot of even Jews themselves don't even know that dogs were involved in this initial um, fleeing from Egypt. Isn't that true? That's correct. That's correct. Now, that passage, I believe it's in Exodus. Is that true? That's correct. It's in Exodus chapter 11, verse number 7. And... um, it's, it's, it's a passage that we as children are taught that whenever we are afraid of a dog, to think of them in a positive way, not in a negative way. Like Just like they were positive to the Jewish people back then in Egypt, that means the dog in itself is also there for positive, not for negative, and therefore to have a different perception, a different perspective from them. That's really interesting. So... Were the dogs rewarded for their silence? They were. It's very interesting. In general, animals' pets are, uh, in the Torah, it talks about how you have to give them food before you serve yourself food. You have to take care of them. There are very, very strict laws about how you're allowed to treat an animal, what you're not allowed to do to, to an animal. Um, and But when it comes to a dog, you see, when it comes to kosher food, there are certain foods that are Jews allowed to eat, certain foods that are not allowed to eat. 
especially when it comes to slaughtering of, uh, of uh, cows and those things where the meat has to be kosher. And if it's not kosher, so then a Jew is not allowed to eat it. But yet the Torah says, instead of throwing it out, you should give it to your, uh, to your dog. Why? Because as a reward for, your, uh, for the dog being silent and not barking at the Jewish people, God says that they, should, they deserve an extra care, an extra love, an extra attention. And therefore, that, they are rewarded with that uh, when it comes to Jewish law. Very, very interesting. So glad that you can be with us, Rabbi Mendy. Very, very important lesson to be learned over Passover. Okay, well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Rabbi Menachem Bouquet, actually Rabbi Mendy, about the role of dogs in the first Passover. So, you know, you talked about the lessons that we can teach our children if they're afraid of dogs, but what other lessons can we learn from this story? Well, the most important lesson is uh, in Judaism, there's a concept called hakaras hatov, which is gratitude. Many times we take for granted certain things, and we don't show appreciation to the things that happen around us. Um, the whole story of Passover, and in general in Judaism, it, there's a constant emphasis on showing gratitude, um, even to things that you think are not important. We still have to show gratitude. So here we have a whole story of the Jews going out of Egypt, a whole big to-do, and you would think that, okay, so the dogs didn't bark, who cares? But the Torah says, no, you've got to show gratitude, whether it's an animal, whether it's vegetation, whether it's inanimate objects, especially if it's your family, your loved ones, that when someone does something for you, to show that gratitude. Take a few minutes of time and show that gratitude. Here God shows us that here the dogs did one thing during the time of the Jews going out of Egypt, and for all generations, we show them gratitude. Very interesting. So great. What a great... I'm so glad you're... I keep saying that. I'm so glad he's here. I'm so glad that everybody can hear all this. Yeah, exactly. Because even if you aren't Jewish or haven't been exposed to Jewish thought or theory, it's it's always a good idea to learn about other religions, other cultures... And have an understanding Absolutely. of, you know, why people think the way they do. Okay, so during Passover or Pesach, Jewish households don't keep bread or leavened food during Passover. But what can we do about our dogs? I mean, how can we feed them? So uh, I'm not, I don't own a dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have a dog. So you got to ask your vet what type of food is good and healthy for your dog. But we give them much more natural products. We have a lot of people at Chabad that do have dogs. And this is a question that comes up. The dog food has to be kosher for Passover, according mm-hmm. to Jewish law, because the dog is considered part of your household. And therefore, just like you're not allowed to eat leaven and bread, the same thing goes, so the dog is not allowed to eat a leaven. So therefore, you just got to look at the ingredients, be careful what you're feeding them. Uh, you can always look at the back, what they, what they mix inside the, the dog food or whatever it is, the treats that you're giving the, uh, the dog. If you cannot find that, then we go to more natural products. If they're allowed to have meat, give them meat, make them steak if that's what they're allowed to have. If they're allowed to have fish, then make them a fresh fish. I mean, during the nine days of Passover, give them the cream of the crop, as we say. The best of the best, even if it has to be homemade natural food. And that's true. I mean, there is kosher dog food. Anybody's interested in finding some kosher dog food. 
Avengers right out of Chicago. Yep. Avengers Dog Food Company. Yep. They make certified kosher right. dog food and cat for food. For Passover? For Passover. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. And also, yeah, like doctor, I mean, like, I don't know why I keep calling you doctor, but are you, you're a doctor, right? Rabbi, doctor? Nope. 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 Just a rabbi? <laughs> a rabbi. Okay. So Rabbi Mindy, <laughs> the, like he said, fish, chicken, you know, kosher, of course. He just, I know you can't have wheat and barley, but can you throw in a little rice in there? Is that a possibility? Uh, for your dog, you're allowed to have rice. Yeah. Okay. So rice with chicken, I think that works out pretty well. I think that's great. Right. Pretty restrictive, but sounds good. I think it's rice and fish and shit. Your the pet, your pet's doing okay. Yeah, for yeah, Passover. Yeah. I mean, people have done it for a long time. Well, Rabbi Mendy, thank you so much for joining us today. So, where can we learn more about you and the Chabad of Bradenton <laughs> Lakewood Ranch? And with that, can you give us your website? Yes, um, our website is www.chabadofbradenton.com. Uh, we held wonderful events throughout the year. They do, they do. I'm sure I'm going to be visiting you with Charlotte one of these days. Go ahead. I'm sorry for interrupting you, Rabbi Mindy. They're they're <laughs> no, just no, no, really okay, good. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. Good. Come enjoy and experience Judaism in a fun and loving manner. I mean, the event, everybody, if you if you have the chance to, to visit on a Saturday and listen to uh, Rabbi Mendy speak and, and just worship with some great people, definitely I encourage you to go. And I must say, she's spoken highly of your presentations, too. Very, very. I mean, it was great just to go with friends and worship on the high holidays. But everyone, that was Rabbi Menachem Bouquet. That's Rabbi Mendy of Chabad of Bradenton Lakewood Ranch. If you're curious, attend their wonderful services. Like I said, I love them and you will too. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a buzzworthy moment. And up next, we're going to talk about greening your pet. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. Hey, I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. And here at the Pet Buzz, we're... Urban. Suburban. And, and country. country. I know, it's so corny, but we love saying that every <laughs> single week. Because it's true, we are urban, suburban, and country. And that's we love where, all three. Exactly, and that's where all of our listening audience comes from. Well, April is Earth Month, and April 22nd is Earth Day, so get ready to celebrate. Although many of us try to actively reduce our carbon footprint, it's just as important to reduce our pets, too. In a book called Time to Eat the Dog. I know, crazy title. The Real Guide to Sustainable Living. Authors Robert and Brenda Vale argue that the resources required to feed a dog, check this out, including the amount of land needed to feed the animal that goes into its food, given it about twice the eco footprint of, say, building and fueling a Toyota Land Cruiser. Wow. Can you believe that? Now, let me tell you about a cat. I didn't leave you cat owners out. Cat's environmental paw print is roughly the equivalent to a Volkswagen Golf. 
Volkswagen Golf. Additionally, a 2017 study revealed that dogs and cats are responsible for a quarter of the greenhouse gas emissions caused by animal agriculture. A quarter. I don't think that's all, including all the farm animals and everything else. So this adds up to about 64 million tons of carbon dioxide equivalent emitted in the production of their food. Excuse me. We don't want AOC to hear all this, do we? No. Okay. I don't even want to get into her. She probably doesn't even have pets. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about how we can reduce our pet's carbon paw print. So consider our tips. Dr. Fleck, why don't you start? Okay. You know what? Bigger is always better. You say that all the time. I do. Buy in bulk. Mm -hmm. Buying a large bag of pet food saves on gas so that you don't have to go back and forth to the store or the vet's office. Mm -hmm. A bigger bag also cuts down on packaging waste. Good idea. It's also easier on the wallet. Absolutely. Okay, so don't forget to scoop the poop. (laughs) You know, a lot of people don't realize, especially because we live in a beach community, unscooped dog poop can pollute water and spread disease. And that's really anywhere. It doesn't just necessarily mean a beach community. You want to use earth-friendly pooper scooper. So use biodegradable poop bags and or consider using reusable old paper bags. That works well, too. You might also want to consider composting your pet's poop instead of throwing it into the garbage bin or have it affect your septic tank. Now, I don't necessarily compost, but if you do compost, you don't want to make sure that the vegetable compost pile and the pet poop compost pile, you don't want to combine them. But what I'm going to do, because I read this very interesting article this morning, I'm going to put the link on the website so you guys can learn how to compost properly. Well, People can't remember this, but when I had my kids a long time ago, uh-huh. we used to wash our diapers, okay? Now we've got the puppy pads, right, that are disposable? I, I wear Everybody's those diapers. Got disposable diapers? Right. Okay, okay. So listen to this. It's always a good idea to buy reusable supplies. Okay. I've right, been talking about the diapers, right? Right. For example, house-train your dog with machine-washable Puppy pads. I think that's a great idea. One reusable pad can keep hundreds of disposable pads out of the landfills and save you money in the long run. I know. And there's some great ones out there and they're easy to use. Got to throw them in the And if, do you remember when I was yeah. in Chicago, like yeah. way back when, not, I showed a reusable pee pad. I can't remember the name right now, but I'm going to make sure I put that up. Sounds good. Okay. So I love that. I Like I said, I really love that idea. And you guys can also recycle what you can't use. So I suggest you, you recycle your dog food cans. Realize that other types of food that has recyclable packaging. So definitely check that out. Um, and a lot of the brands of organic dog food come in recyclable bags. Also, if you buy food that is locally made, there's less pollution. So buy local. Here's a great one for cat owners. Oh, good. I thought we were going to yes, forget yes, cat yes, owners. Yes. For eco-friendlier cat litter. Okay. Eco-friendlier cat litter. So what types are there? Okay. There's wheat, pine, paper, as well as corn-based litter. Litter like World's Best, that's the trade name, can be flush instead. I'm just throwing it in the garbage. Throw, yeah, yep. right. But you can add the waste to your compost pile or throw it out by putting it in the eco-friendly poop bag. Yeah, that's because it's corn litter. I tell you what, this is all great stuff. Mm-hmm. If you feel that your cat won't like the new litter, set up a litter 
cafeteria. I know. <laughs> so he can choose his favorite one. I know. Can you imagine? Like, there's the cat Here looking at five boxes. different yeah, boxes of water. Cool. Which one is he going to go into? Which one is he not going to go into? I got another one here. Think about this. Spay and neuter. Good one. Good one. Yep. All pets have some environmental impact, but spaying and neutering keeps the pet population in check. And unwanted litters out of shelters. So that's an excellent one. Mine is not as good as that, but, you know, I like making my own pet toys. So repurposing household items into toys can be fun for you and your pet. It's if you're crafty. And it also cuts down on household waste. And it can save you a little bit of money because I always think that's important. So here's one idea. So if you have an older, large muffin tin pan, you can take the muffin tin pan, cut some tennis balls in half, and uh, consider distributing your pet's meals in the individual compartment. You cover each compartment with a tennis ball and let your pet work it out to find his food. It's like those puzzle toys, pretty much, right? I think so. And then uh, here's one. It's about harnessing cuddle power. This is one that you're no, you're going to know better than anybody else, Doctor Fleck. So on colder nights, yeah, they don't like you. They like me. And you're bed, warm. Yeah. So yeah. cuddle with pets. Turn yeah, that thermostat yeah. down and cuddle with Doctor Fleck. Or yeah, we're we're part of that seventy percent group <laughs> that has the pets sleep in bed with us a night. Okay. And lastly, although you have options considering adopting a homeless pet. Okay. Okay. Remember, pets like humans inevitably impact. The environment. Mm-hmm. We don't encourage you to buy from a pet store, but realize that adopting a homeless pet doesn't add to the pet population, does mm-hmm. it? No, it doesn't. They're already there. Pet adoption is the original green option. Hey, that's great for, for closing words. Well, why don't you tell us what you do to make yourself or your pet more eco-friendly? Tweet posts on our social media channels or email us at the team at the Pet Buzz and we will... And even better yet, send us a picture of your pet. Stay tuned. We will be right back. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. The Dynamic Pet Duo is back at you. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We are giving you some pet buzz to get you and your pets through the week. You know, the first legend of the Easter Bunny hiding eggs in the garden nest were brought to the United States when German immigrants settled in Pennsylvania in the 1700s. Eventually, the custom spread across the U.S. and the fabled rabbit deliveries expanded to include chocolate, other types of candy, and gifts. Soon after, decorated baskets replaced nests, and other gifts became bunnies. (laughs) And is the case with many pets, many people who either bought or were gifted with bunnies were not necessarily prepared to care for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here to discuss rabbits and their care is Mary Cotter, former president of the International House Rabbit Society. 
Mary, good morning, and thank you for joining the Pet Buzz. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you for having me. Happy Easter to you, too. Thank you. Many people are thinking of gifting a rabbit for Easter. Is this a good or a bad idea? Well, in my view, gifting an animal is probably never a good idea. It's really a much better idea if you're thinking of acquiring a pet to have the person who will be caring for the pet present and not surprised and prepared. It takes a lot of preparation to bring a rabbit into a house. And I think we're going to talk about some of the preparations necessary this morning, right? We are. Yep. Now, here, if you're interested in purchasing or adopting a rabbit as a pet, can you tell us how long they live and if a rabbit is a low-maintenance pet? They live much longer than people think, and a rabbit is not a low-maintenance pet. And let me expand on these two things. Okay. Years ago, we used to think that rabbits lived maybe five to seven years because that's how long they lived in the lucky household where they didn't die earlier than that. And then as veterinary care got better and husbandry information got better, we discovered that rabbits have much longer potential lives than five to seven years. So we upped it to seven to nine years. And then a few years after that, we upped it to nine to 11 years. And now we're routinely seeing rabbits live 10 to 14 years. Wow. I take care of, yeah, I take care of a little 14 year old bunny from time to time. And I know one rabbit who lived as long as 16 years. So this is a long-term commitment. It's it's to be expected that a rabbit will live about the same length, length of time that a dog would live. Yeah, I was so just about to not, say that. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, this, this is not a pet that you get for your child because it will entertain him for a year or two and then the rabbit will die. This is a long-term commitment. And if you're going to make that long-term commitment, the best thing to do is to be prepared in advance and to know that rabbits are not the low-maintenance pet that you might think. Rabbits require a fair amount of maintenance. I would say more than a dog or cat, uh, certainly more than a dog and uh, maybe a little bit more than a cat, in that rabbits need to be in a rabbit-proof environment in your home, and that takes a little bit of doing. You have to hide electrical wires. You have to make sure that there's nothing around that a rabbit could chew that would hurt him. You have to create a circumstance where the rabbit can get adequate exercise every single day. And you have to clean his quarters or his litter box every single day. Wow. There's a lot that goes into the care of a rabbit. It doesn't seem like it's an appropriate pet for a child then. No, it's really not an appropriate pet for a small child, but for, for other reasons. And the biggest one is that little kids are so spontaneous and exuberant. They come running into a room and camp around and they want to hug and kiss and all these things make them really unpredictable. And a rabbit as a prey animal thrives on predictability. These are animals that are terrified in nature by sudden surprises because those sudden surprises will usually pick them up and eat them. And so when a little child interacts with a rabbit, the rabbit's fear can be exacerbated. Mm -hmm. So you want to be very, very careful about having small children interact with a rabbit. Children love to cuddle and hug and walk around with pets carrying them. Rabbits are ground animals. So it's really hard for a rabbit to tolerate that kind of handling over a period of time. Could a rabbit bite a child? Any animal can bite. A rabbit will bite. It's not its first instinct. It's not its first response to a child. Uh But when a child does things that make the rabbit fear for his life or for his safety, yes, the rabbit will bite as would any creature. Rabbits don't have the body size or mass of a larger animal like a dog, so they can't just give a little growl and move away knowing that they're safe. 
When a rabbit is threatened, it, it's life-threatening. So a rabbit has his teeth, and he uses them. You know, Mary, veterinary costs are factors in acquiring any pet these days. Although I don't see rabbits in my practice, can you discuss the veterinary care that rabbits need and if it's similar to dogs and cats? Sure. Veterinary care for rabbits is a little bit tricky in that, as you know, uh, uh, rabbit care is not covered in vet school. Typically, vets will do farm animals and dogs and cats, and that's plenty for the amount of time that they have in vet school. That's more than enough. But what they call special species are not usually included, and those are the more quote-unquote exotic pets like rabbits, hamsters, guinea pigs, chinchillas, all those things. Those animals take a special kind of care, and usually if a veterinarian is interested in providing that kind of care, the vet will need to go to continuing education or special seminars or uh, join online groups where they can learn the information necessary to help their clients with their rabbits. And those things cost money. These are usually unanticipated veterinary care. Yeah, I mean, they sound like unanticipated veterinary care. Well, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Mary Cotter about rabbit care. So, Mary, what are the best conditions for rabbits to live in? Should they live in a hutch in the backyard or should they live indoors? Or should they, you know, what kind of place of their own should they have? Well, the House Rabbit Society promotes indoor living for rabbits because Indoor rabbits tend to live much longer, much safer lives. This is not to say that you can't give your rabbit fresh air and sunshine outdoors if you have the right conditions, but it can be hard to create the right conditions. When you have a rabbit inside your house, it's important to create an environment where the rabbit can move freely rather than to use a tiny cage. So we love something like a puppy exercise pen, which is a four-foot-by-four-foot playpen where you can put in some toys, a, a hay box, a litter box, just things that make the rabbit comfortable and allow his life to be fun. That's good. I can envision that. That's, yeah, that's, it's like an X-Pen yeah, for a yeah, rabbit. Yeah, Such good information. Okay, we got to feed him. What about nutrition? What do we feed a rabbit? We encourage people to feed rabbits from what we call a rabbit food pyramid, which is mostly hay. The whole bottom of the pyramid is hay, grass hay. That should be the primary food for rabbits, not rabbit pellets. In addition to the hay... You can feed a small quantity of rabbit pellets every day just to ensure complete nutrition in case the grass in your area or the hay in your area is missing any small nutrients. But we recommend that you feed no more than a quarter of a cup per five pounds of rabbit per day. That will keep the rabbit slender enough to be healthy and will still provide the nutrients that might be missing from local hay. You know, that's really interesting. Wow, I wouldn't have thought of that either. What- you know- it's like, you know, you're thinking about this. I'm sitting here thinking about yeah. this and I'm like, wow, this is a lot of in, a lot of great information. And it's the type of information those grandparents or the parents need or even like a boyfriend or a girlfriend needs before thinking about gifting someone or even getting a rabbit. I mean, it's not it doesn't seem like you have enough time between now and Easter to spring this type of pet. And, you know, the other thing is, I always say this, Mary, I think if people are thinking about getting a pet or a specific breed, you need to get some books. You really need to or go to the website and really, because you got some great videos on the House Rabbit uh, Society website. I think I saw pictures of you and Amy Sedaris, right? Doing some videos. Yes, we did. We did a series of videos a few years ago uh, for a company called Howcast. It's one of those Internet companies that teaches people how to do things. And they were interested in teaching people how to care for rabbits and asked us to do these videos. So there's a lot of very short videos. I think there's about four dozen, and they're under 
three minutes each for the most part, and each one of them covers a specific aspect of rabbit care. We've gotten really good feedback on those, and I hope they're helping people. You know, I envision this rabbit in in the pen. Is that enough exercise? Well, uh, we recommend 30 hours a week of of out-of-pen time. And that sounds like a lot, but let me give you an example. When I lived in New York City years ago with my pair of rabbits there, I had a nice uh, double-layer cage for them, a little condo for them. And every morning when I got up to get ready for work, I would let them out for an hour or two as I was having breakfast, reading the newspaper. And then I would give them in-cage time while I was gone at work. And then when I got home at about 5.30 or 6, I let them out for another couple of hours. And that easily added up to 30 hours a week. But it's really good to be able to give your rabbit exercise time. They have very powerful hind legs designed for running and jumping. And when your rabbit is well exercised, you'll see behaviors and interactions that you won't see when the rabbit is just sluggish and sitting around like a lump of flesh. Wow. It's a lot of work. Well, these days, a lot of young people, and I know a lot of young people have rabbits, especially in city environments. But, you know, one concern that I always have for people when they do get a pet is it doesn't sound like a rabbit is a pet that can be left for a day or two without proper care. Can you comment? Yeah, I wouldn't advise that either because we know one thing about rabbits, and that is that their gastrointestinal tracts are very sensitive and have to be kept moving all the time. That's the function of hay in their diet. But when you're not there, if you're gone for a day or two and the rabbit has a problem in his GI tract and stops eating, that can become a medical emergency very, very quickly, more so than with dogs or cats where you can afford to wait a day or two and kind of keep an eye on the pet. With a rabbit, if the GI tract slows down or stops moving, you have about a 12-hour window to get it moving again, to get the rabbit to your vet or to implement procedures that your vet has taught you to make sure that the rabbit's gut is healthy. So that's a very serious reason not just to leave your rabbit for a weekend. That said, if you have a friend who's interested in bunnies and can help you out, you can teach the friend what the rabbit needs and have the friend come in if you want to go away overnight, have the friend come in and do a little bit of bunny sitting, maybe let the rabbit out to run and make sure the rabbit is eating and drinking properly. And that way, you're not totally restricted. It's just that you can't do what so many people do with cats, which is put out food and water and leave for the weekend. We don't even like that. I mean, I have a cat and dogs, and I would never leave my cat alone for the weekend. We'd always have someone come in and feed it and play with it. Mm. Um, I mean, in this case, it's one of Dr. Fleck's staff members, but still, we just don't leave cats away. Well, you know, Mary... I totally... I totally agree. I would never endorse that. I'm just saying I know people who do that. It's horrible. And they get away with it because the cat is not likely to develop a life-threatening problem in the speed of time, in the amount of time that a rabbit is. That's what I'm really saying. So, Mary, if you've done your due diligence and looked, researched the, the idea of having a rabbit as a pet, where's the best place to obtain a rabbit? Well... Of course, the best place, in my view, to uh, obtain a rabbit is either a rescue organization or a shelter. There are many, many rabbits relinquished to shelters every single year by people who didn't do their homework in advance and didn't realize what a commitment it was. So at any given time uh, in the shelter I'm associated with, there's always at least a pair of rabbits available. And that happens in many shelters, even if, if shelters don't have a large volume of rabbits because they can't they will typically be able to direct you to a rescue organization or at least direct, direct you to the rabbits that they have in residence at the time. So it's always worth looking for a rabbit to adopt rather than to purchase. There are places, and New York City, thankfully, is now one of them, 
where it's no longer legal to buy a rabbit in a pet store. So you won't be able to do that. And if you want to live with a rabbit and acquire one in New York City, you will need to go to a rescue organization or a shelter. This is such great information. I was just say that. Really great information. And so we want to adopt, not necessarily shop. And for those of you who have rabbits, I seriously want you to hit the International House Rabbit Society and learn a little bit more about caring for your pet. You know, Mary, before you go, can you give us their website so we can learn a little bit about the organization? Sure. We kept it really, really easy. So all you have to remember is the word rabbit. Rabbit.org. www.rabbit.org. That's great for somebody simple like me. (laughs) He likes everyone to believe he's so simple. Let me tell you, he's high maintenance, a high maintenance veterinarian. Mary, thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, it's bittersweet because I know that you're no longer the president of the House Rabbit Society, but the former president, the dowager the Dowager President of the International House Rabbit Society. Once again, we thank you so much for being here and for all of you people who want to learn more about rabbits. As Mary said, it's easy peasy. Rabbit.org. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a buzzworthy moment. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. We're back, and you're listening to the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. That's me. And veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. That's That's me. That's you. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, did you hear that bell? That's the signal to let us go because now it's unfortunately it's time to wrap the show. But before we go, we wanted to give you a preview of next week's show. Next week, we are talking about dog bites, food and pet food safety. Mm -hmm. We're also doing a follow up on the dangers of importing dogs by discussing a new strain of disease that's affecting not only people, but pets coming to the U.S. And Dr. Fleck, can you please thank our guest? Special thanks to our guests, Dr. Tina Wismer, Rabbi Mindy Bouquet, and Mary Cotter. And of course, we always must thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. And if you do have a question or comment for us, write us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We will cover your questions and comments on our next show. Yeah, absolutely. And just so you know, you can follow along on our social media channels as the show airs. We post our thoughts and notes, pictures, so you can have a thoroughly enjoyable experience as you listen to the show. And if you missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. And most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.